in a world where Mad Lab Theater. What are you doing? Making the Mad Lab ad for Cinema Wheeler Tay. Oh, here's my other one. Susan thought it was just another day, and then she met Mad Lab. Why don't you just say that Mad Lab is the new works theater in downtown Columbus, featuring hilarious comedies, powerful dramas, improv with FFN, the annual Young Writers Festival, and the longest-running shorts festival in central Ohio, Theater Roulette. That sounds pretty awesome, especially when I do it over the Star Wars theme. Star Wars is always a good choice. Mad Lab, the original. For more information, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit us at madlab.net. To another episode of Cinema Wheeler Tay. It's uh, Sean, Tony, and Scott as usual. Hello. And we're joined by a uh, someone who's been a very good friend of everybody on the podcast for a very long time. We're finally getting him on here. Uh, local actor extraordinaire, uh, Mr. Lance Atkinson. Hey, Lance. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Hey. And Lance is on here to discuss a movie that I believe would be Tony's. One of Tony's favorites. Yes, one of my childhood favorite movies and still favorite into my adulthood. Yes, and that movie would be uh, 1985's Clue, uh, which is based off of the board game Clue, yes. you know, uh-huh. which Parker I like. Brothers. Yeah. That's right, Parker Brothers. Mm-hmm. When I grew up, it was Parker Brothers, at least, you and know. I think it still is. Oh, good. Well, it still I, is Parker Brothers. I had read it was owned by Hasbro now, believe really? it or not. Yeah, Hasbro apparently owns the Clue. Oh. All the Parker Brothers board games that we grew up with, okay. I think they're owned now by Hasbro. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of attention to detail of research we do here at Cinema Wheeler today. We look at the toy <laughs> sponsorship yeah. for everything we do. Yes, only the best. Uh, that's right. Um, I would like to start with Tony because I know this okay. is a, one of your all-time favorites. Like, what was the first? What was your first exposure to both the board game and the movie itself? Well, growing up in the Casa de Sacco with my two older sisters, we always played Clue. First of all, we are a big board game family, so uh, Monopoly is a treasured game in our family, as well as Clue. Those are probably our two most favorite. So I used to play the board game all the time. I mean. Since I could mentally have the capacity to play a game like Clue, I've been playing it. Um, As far as the movie goes, an interesting fact. So this movie was released nine days after I was born. Oh, wow. So I was, like, born to like this movie, I think. Awesome. So it came out in December of 85. Yep, December 13th, 1985. Yep. That's that's interesting. It was a Christmas release. Yeah, Yeah. I can kind of see that. It just has a kind of a tone of, like, a Christmassy... With the weather and, you know, the colors just seem Christmassy. But but anyway, this movie dates back in my family till I was about... I, I think the first time I saw it, I was about eight. And um, my big sister, Cindy, um, her boyfriend at the time, who, who was her first husband, who became her first husband, um, he and I used to watch this. Martin has a great sense of humor. 
we kind of share that. And I remembered uh, times where he would he used to work at Taco Bell, and he would come home after his shift to Taco Bell and bring us like free soft tacos, and we would always watch Clue. And I don't remember if it was on, it was probably on cable, or maybe we even owned a copy. That part is a little hazy to me, because in 1994, this movie would have only been about nine years old, so it wasn't, you know, that old then, so it could have been on cable, but um, we just always used to watch it, and I loved it. I just love the characters. I like the humor, the style of the movie. I also loved that it was based off of one of my favorite games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just one of those things where I just liked it, and I used to go to sleepovers, you know, when I was 10 years old, and I'd bring Clue, and I'd be like, let's watch Clue, which is kind of like an adult movie. I mean, it's not adult in a bad sense, but it's not necessarily something a nine-year-old would typically take to a sleepover and say, let's watch this. But I ended up introducing a lot of, like, my friend's parents to this movie, and uh, I've been loving it ever since. It's one of my favorites. And Lance? Uh, this weekend was my first introduction to it. I've never seen oh. it previous to this. Uh, you guys invited me, and I was like, all right, I haven't seen this before, so <laughs> this will be a great time to get caught up on this one. Yeah. So it's, mean, a, it's a lived-in experience you have with this movie. It's lived-in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, but I've always known about it. Um, as a kid, though, I you know knew about it, but never took a took the chance to watch it whenever it was mm-hmm. on TV or at a friend's house or anything like that, because growing up, I was always kind of... Somewhat afraid of Tim Curry. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of it? It and yeah. Rocky Horror Picture oh, Show. Yeah. And, he, you know, he's this guy that kind of has this uh, handsome, ominous look about him. So I was yes. always intimidated by his his general appearance and everything. That's and, so funny. I was and, the opposite. I always loved him. <laughs> I, when I was little, I loved Rocky Horror Picture Show. When I didn't know that it was extremely sexual. And I didn't really know what it was called, but it was called the Red Lip Movie. And I knew Tim Curry was in it, but anyway, sorry to... I'm just imagining you two now as as Sarah Susan Sarandon and Brian Boswick and uh, the Rocky Horror, <laughs> those roles in the Rocky Horror show. I would fit that role like a <laughs> I would be such a great Janet. Yeah. If you're afraid of Tim Curry, that's going to fit beautifully into that, that role. I've got to get into that again. <laughs> yeah, the board game, I never even played the board game. I feel what? guilty admitting that. I never played the board game. Uh, my uh, games of choice were as a Monopoly, Parcheesi, mm-hmm. uh, Connect yeah. Four, Sorry, all those... But never clue, never clue. Just uh, was not really a fan of the murder mysteries as a kid. Yeah. Just I never picked up onto those. I did play the Super Nintendo game though. Okay. <laughs> so does that count for anything? Yes. It does, uh, yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> so I played. And that. I always loved a good murder mystery, mm-hmm. even when I was a kid. I loved detectives. Just that, I don't know. There's something really mysterious and attractive to me about like detectives and figuring things out and piecing things together. So I always liked it. Yeah, for us, we were never a board game family, but we liked Clue, the game. Yeah. Like, that was one of the few games we actually enjoyed playing as a family. I remember, like, weeknights after we'd get back from school, if there's nothing going on, we'd start playing Clue. Yeah. Parcheesi, I think, was the, we had a phase with Parcheesi, too, for oh, yeah. a while, but, yeah. but Clue was definitely a favorite. I always loved Clue. I'm not, I'm not really a board game guy. Like, you know, Same here. it's not something I'm just going to naturally gravitate towards, right. but... Clue was when I actually genuinely enjoyed, and I think probably for the elements you were talking about, mm-hmm. it's the murder mystery. The character names are great. Yeah, they sound like Beatle characters. Colonel Mustard, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Professor Plum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they, they, they Miss Scarlet. I think they're all in the Abbey Road mm-hmm. suite somewhere. I, I'm thinking, but um, but I always enjoyed, um, I, I always enjoyed that game a lot. The movie I remember would always be on, like either in syndication or the HBO, yeah. like in the mm-hmm. afternoons. And I actually remember, like, 
we had a family gathering and my parents rented it and I was like midway through I think I got into the, 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 the last end of the movie you know with, with Tim Curry running around the house mm-hmm. and everything and nobody was really quite getting into it because I think Clue is one you really have to watch from start to finish to get its rhythms completely mm-hmm. and to um, kind of understand what's going on yeah you know because it's kind of a broad it, it's different from a comedy like like in the 80s the slob comedy is really popular like right. Caddyshack and Airplane and those type of films. And Clue is a different style of comedy. It's more of a, a comedy bit, of errors, a broader... I, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's a little bit more dark and sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Not that those slob comedies aren't sophisticated, yeah. but in terms of presentation, this is a little bit more subtle. You really have to watch closely. Like, today, this morning, we just had it on when we were doing things, and Scott and I found ourselves laughing out loud a couple of times just at the reactions. You mm-hmm. know, really quick things that... that it's not like laugh out funny, like because of what they're saying or doing, but it's um, it's a really humanistic movie, which I think is what gravi- what always I was gravitated towards because I've always been a really humanistic person. I like movies and books and things that are that are very character driven. Um, and uh, you know, one of my favorite elements about playing the game when I was a kid was playing it with my sisters. You know, I'm the youngest, and I I loved the behavioral element of it kind of like you know behavioral psychology which again ties into my fascination with detective work but I used to watch my sisters and I could tell if they were lying or or like like when it wasn't my turn and they Jackie would ask Cindy you know I Mm. think it's Colonel Mustard in the hall with the wrench and if she had one of those cards she had to show Jackie you remember how to play Mm. I would watch real closely and I try to figure out which one she might have showed her and then I would I would take note of where Jackie made her check mark was it at the top the middle of the page or the bottom because then I knew that you know the characters are on the top and the weapons were in the middle and the rooms are at the bottom so if she checked low I knew she she had the room so then I could maybe I'd put a little star oh now I'm telling everybody my secrets but I'd put a little star by and think and I'd be like I think maybe Jackie Cindy has the room or whatever and then I'd process of elimination uh, if I didn't have the opportunity to ask her about the room myself, then I could mm-hmm. do it that way. But anyway, I, I remember even as a kid, I just loved watching the human part of it. You know, the eyes at the table and figuring out like, okay. what people are doing. And yeah, stuff. what yeah. people are doing. Because we'd all try to be so secretive, you know. Of course, I mean that's the nature of Clue. But yeah, I mean, I I, I think the thing that grabs me when I watch it now. And I can't say that this has ever been a favorite movie of mine, or even a household favorite. In fact, Scott, like your recollections, do you remember getting into this as a kid yourself, or was it? I I remember seeing parts of it, knowing it existed, but I until recent, I think I remember seeing it on like it'd be on to during the day, maybe on some Saturday afternoon, you know, movie, you know, movie of the weekend or whatever. But I never watched it all the way through you know, with adult eyes until recently. So, um, it wasn't, the board game was definitely big for me. I, we had Clue and then we had 3D Clue, which I liked. 3D Clue Does anybody remember the VCR version of Clue? We had that in the Sacco household. It was a Clue murder mystery VCR, which at this time was really advanced. It's kind of like seen it now in in a way, like where you would would have a, 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 um, a visual Mm -hmm. audio um, visual and uh, it had a, a cassette and you would pop it in and you would watch like the first 10 minutes and they actually had a bunch of new characters there was like a southern belle named Mrs. Peach and Mr. Gray there was a Mr. Gray um, it actually it came out around the same time and 
somebody wants to Google this, feel free. But it came out around the same time, I think in the late 80s, that like this extra super duper cool version of Clue came out where it had more rooms in the mansion and they introduced a couple more characters. Because I remember one of the rooms was called the Carriage House. And um, I definitely think that came out in the late 80s. Anyway, this video version came out around the same time because it featured those characters. And wasn't that like kind of an attempt to kind of more modernize it? Because kind like, of. It, like in the game and in the movie, it's a kind of a period piece. It's yes. like in New England 1950s yes. in the Baroque style mansion. I love yes, that setting. I did but, too. Mm, it's more of a period. But I think mm -hmm. that's what you're talking about is like yeah. an attempt to more modernize it. And I mm -hmm. vaguely heard about it, but I, I couldn't, re I never played it, couldn't recall it. To it was super thing. cool. I actually saw it at a thrift store not that long ago, but I had recently gotten rid of my VCR player, so... I didn't see the value in buying it, but I used to have it as a kid, and a lot of times Jackie and I just used to watch the tape. Like, we wouldn't actually play along with it, because it was literally like a murder mystery movie just playing out before you. It was super cool, especially for the late 80s. Like, that mm -hmm. technology and that concept was really kind of revolutionary. I'm really surprised it didn't pick up as much as it should have, maybe, you know? But um, anyway, I'm going to see if I can't figure out what year that deluxe version of Clue came out, because I had that too. It was really neat. Yeah, I know that the, the game itself was based off of a, a game that originated in the UK called Cluedo. That was the yep. full name, oh, Cluedo. Okay. Uh, and it was owned by Waddingtons. I think they were the licensee, but it became Parker Brothers. Like, we were all laughing. Parker Brothers is a great name. I'm kind of sad it no longer exists, because that was like yeah. the board game label. Kind of like Hasbro and Kenner were for toys. Mm. Parker Brothers were for yeah. board games. Um... And now I think they're all owned by Hasbro because, you know, everybody merges with everybody else eventually uh -huh. these days, day and age. But it was based off of that. And I just think it's interesting that they decided, let's turn a board game into a movie. Because yes. Hollywood's always looking for ideas. And that was the first one of its kind, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember up to that point. Um, the only other, uh, like, specific movie I remember based on an actual board game outside of Clue is that terrible Liam Neeson movie of Battleship that came out, like, a few uh, years I ago. Saw that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it. I saw the trailers like that. I'll, I'll pass. Skip it. <laughs> yeah. Skip <that> <laughs> and it had nothing to do with the game, either. Like, they always have to embellish the game because it's not enough to fit a full-fledged plot, right. usually. So they embellish it with, like, adding aliens or something mm -hmm. like that to that. It's like... It, just stick to the basic premise of battleships exactly. fighting each other. Michael well, the, Bay, the game, you know. The cool yeah. thing about Clue is really and truly the game was a mystery itself. You could play it out however you wanted. So they had kind of free range mm -hmm. with the movie. You just had your set characters. You had your place. So you had to have certain rooms. You know, the billiard room, the library, the lounge, all of those. But otherwise, you could do whatever you wanted which is what they did yeah i mean and they're very clever with the way they bring in all the the oh tony's showing us the clue mystery game <laughs> we'll post a picture on our facebook page mm -hmm. because it's amazing yeah. i wish they would release this on dvd yeah yeah we'll definitely put that up because that's that's a great pick too um I, I, they do a great job of bringing in all the uh, tropes from the game and justifying them in the movie yes. that's one thing i like like Colonel Mustard, Professor Plum, Mrs. White, they're all code names, and mm -hmm. I like that. And I also think of adding the element of it being kind of a Cold War, assorted Cold War kind of motif where everyone works for D.C. in some capacity, yes. and they all have these sorted yeah. pasts is great. And that's when, I mean, the, the setting that it takes place is like 54, I think it was exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. like when the Cold War was coming into fruition at the time, from what I remember. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. 
a lot of McCarthyism throughout. And the set design of the movie is phenomenal, and it really does match the the style and tone of the original board game, because there are so many variations of Clue now. You know, there's Clue versions for your favorite movies, or like Harry Potter, you know, Simpsons, there's all kinds of stuff, but I'm talking about the original Mm -hmm. board game that came out. Um, The uh, set design in this movie really matches... Oh, yeah. That that house, you know, that layout of that house. They really capture the flavor of the game initially. like, And I think this movie does master the tone because it knows yes. exactly what it wants to be at all times. And the opening shot of going to the mansion looks just like the mansion from the board game. And, mm-hmm. you know, or close enough that it's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's very much a clue. Like, you know, you're in a movie about clue at that point. You're in a murder, murder mystery yeah. there for sure. You know. Yeah, there's a storm outside. You know, and really, this, because it was, even though it's based on a board game, this does almost play like an Agatha Christie spoof, in a way. You know, it's like a spoof of dinner theaters, Mm -hmm. dinner murder mysteries, and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that always take place. It's kind of playing along with those tropes. Everybody's gathered together in the same house. Somebody's going to murder somebody. They have to figure out who does it, you know. You turn out the lights, and someone dies. Yeah, (laughs) and everyone has, in some way... They're capable of being the, uh, yeah. the you know, the, the dime store detective. I, and, I, and I'll yeah. post this, too. I think this is the one I was talking about with the extra rooms. It was called Clue Master Detective. So there were more suspects, more rooms, and more weapons. Um, I don't know the year it came out, but I, 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 I think, yeah, because there's Mrs. Peach on the cover. So this is the version that I was telling you guys okay. about that uh, came out probably shortly before that murder mystery VCR was released. So we'll post this one too. That that's man, man, yeah. how many variations? It's a highly adaptable like, franchise. Yes, it is. It is. Miss Peach and Mr. Burnett. I remember them. <laughs> she was the Southern Belle. I used to. My all-time favorite character is Miss Scarlet, though. I'm always yeah. Miss Scarlet. Miss Scarlet. I think I was always Professor Plum. I think that was know? my. Did you know that uh, Leslie Ann Warren was the last-minute replacement? It was supposed to be Carrie Fisher as Miss Scarlet. I did wow. Read, I did read that. She, wow. she went into rehab like four days before shooting. So they... wow. That makes sense. I could see, although Leslie Ann Warren I think is a better fit for how they portrayed yeah. her than mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher, although Carrie Fisher would have been because Leslie and Lauren just oozes sex, let's face it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in this movie, you're Yeah, I, I think that fits beautifully. And that's what I want to get into more than anything else. I love, I mean, the one reason I wanted to talk about this movie is I absolutely love all the actors in this cast mm-hmm. yes. from other, not just from other projects. These are like gr- like the best character actors of their time, especially comedies, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Martin um, Mull all the way. Martin Mull. Martin <laughs> Mull. And, and Miss Scarlet. I love Ms. their dynamic. Yeah. Two of them together. Yes. Uh, just to give some background, like Martin Mull, I mean, I loved a lot of, a lot of the things that made these guys a name in itself. A lot of these guys come from television. Like, mm-hmm. they're not primarily known for their film work, although they've done great work in film in some cases. But yeah. they're either people who had great roles, but in a movie or like they were scene stealers or they had prominent roles on television sitcoms and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like Martin Mull, like you mentioned, was on Fernwood Tonight, which was a spinoff of a TV show called Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, where he played, it was a show within a show on that show, which he was playing the smarmy... A show within a show within a show on show? It was a show within a show. A sh- a show, a show. <laughs> Uh, From What Tonight was like a, a show that the, the characters on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman watched. And it was like a smarmy kind of late night spoof. Okay. Like really satirical. Like Martin Mull was a very smarmy guy. He had his, you know, his lapels were out and everything. He just looked like the classic late 70s talk show host, you know, smoking cigarettes. And Fred Willard was his sidekick. That's how they both became 
known. Uh, and then, like, this is around the transition where I think Martin Mull came into more kind of officious roles, where he was a little more, like, Roseanne, I think his Roseanne, character Roseanne he was the was boss like, on there, I think, at the diner, at the restaurant. I'm, yeah, I'm he was. I exactly, but I remember him being on that. Uh, he was a little more uptight and conservative. Mm, very you know. much, yes. Uh, then you have, well, Christopher Lloyd speaks for itself. Christopher Lloyd oh, is one of my favorite actors ever. And uh, mm-hmm. this was like at a peak year for him because 85 is a year that Back to the Future came out. Right. So he's riding high. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I saw this movie circa 1994-ish I feel like was the first time I really remember seeing it. He was just in a, a kids like a kids coming of age movie called uh, Camp Nowhere, which I loved and Christopher Lloyd was in it. Mm-hmm. And so I remember seeing him in Clue, and I'm like, oh my goodness, he's in. So like, yeah. he was like my favorite actor, one of my favorite actors at that time, because he was just in everything I loved. And I have to mention, like, Christopher Lloyd was is has played my favorite. This is an example where two guys are competing for one of my favorite sitcom characters. Because we'll mention another guy soon, but Chris Lloyd played uh, Reverend Jim, who I love. He's like on Taxi, which was one of my probably my favorite sitcom character ever. Uh, he's hysterical. Then you you know Back to the Future, Roger Rabbit, all that other mm-hmm. stuff. Cuckoo's Nest plays into that. Michael McKeon, who is not oh, a household name. I love him. <laughs> Mr. Green. I always loved Mr. Green. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's why I looked. Was, they have assembled all these great people. Like, he is a guy, you may not know the name if you're just a casual film goer, but you know the face. Because mm-hmm. he was Lenny from Lenny and Squiggy on mm-hmm. Laverne and Shirley. With he very, was Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap, which is one yeah. of my favorite movies, period. And then he's on Better Call Saul nowadays, or was. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything, you but yeah, he, yeah, he he has had a role on Better Call Saul as as Saul's brother or Jimmy's brother, a Chuck. Yeah, uh, he's brilliant on the show, mm-hmm. and and I think that he's a guy that is brilliant in everything, and he's versatile too. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play. There's certain things he plays well, but yeah. you don't really see the exact same performance with him twice. Mm-hmm. Like he always kind of varies it up. Mm-hmm. Um, Aline Brennan oh, is she's brilliant. Wonderful. Uh, she stole Fri- Private Benjamin. That's probably what she's best known for by most people. Is she was in a movie called Private Benjamin with Goldie Hawn, okay. and she was kind of the foil. Like Goldie Hawn joins mm-hmm. the army, you know, it's one of those fish out of water stories, and she plays the like the drill sergeant that tries to get the the troops yeah. up, and she, it's kind of a passive aggressive take on that character. She did really well. Yeah. And then Madeline Kahn. Who I love. Legendary, you know, all those Mel Brooks movies. Yeah, Young Frankenstein, she's so good in that. Yeah, she is. Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles, oh my goodness. She's just phenomenal. Um, And I'm trying to think of who's... I think it's Leslie Ann Warren is the last... Leslie Ann Warren and Tim Curry. Uh, Tim Curry, of course. Tim Curry, please, by heavens. Uh, Tim Curry, legendary. uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, obviously, is what, you know, his probably his crown jewel. But then he was also in a variety of different movies. Yeah, it it. was fantastic. That movie scared me too, Lance. Like, I have a fear of clowns now because of that movie. He was so good. Which is being remade, of course, this year. Which is just Why do they have to remake everything that's fantastic? Although the the trailer looks pretty cool, I have to say. Like, it'll probably be a very good... Cool is a subjective term. (laughs) It's worth a shot. We'll check it out, see, compare it to the original, uh, you know, sometime, but... Yeah. No. And then Leslie Ann Lauren, I don't think she has, like, that breakout role that Mm -hmm. a lot of people we've mentioned had, but she was just one of those actresses that had been around for a while, like, you know, and she's excellent Mm -hmm. in the movie, you know, I think she's she's great. I think she was good. Yeah, she was my favorite when I was little. I always liked Miss Scarlet. And then Colleen Camp, the uh, French yes. maid. Yeah. Yes, Colleen Camp. 
and then she was known for more of like the cheerleader, uh, you know, uh-huh. uh, yeah. teenage films like uh, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. And uh, I had just I was watching that, and I was like, where have I seen her before? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Mrs. Noah Vanderhall. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oui, oui, madame. Oui. <laughs> no, I just have to powder my nose. I was like, yeah, she's. I mean, she, yeah. Another example, you know, she's she's great in this too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Howard Hessman comes in yes. at the end. Uh, that's the other guy I was going to mention. Okay. Head, of the, head of the class. Head of the class. Well, for me, he's Dr. Johnny Fever from WKRP. That and too, it's, you know, that's that's his. That's the, the stock and trade. He had a small role in Spinal Tap. Was in Police Academy too. I have to mm-hmm. mention, but also became head of the class, which. You know, I always felt like they, they kind of made Howard Hesman boring on that show, <laughs> didn't they? They just they kind of took all the things that are interesting about him on Head of the Class and just kind of... Mm-hmm. I, I also remember Robin Givens was on that show because of the Mike Tyson marriage at the time. Like, that oh, was a... Yeah. Oh, that's right. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're all greatness. I think uh, what I liked about Chris Lloyd's performance to start with some of the performances is it's kind of different from what we normally see from him. It's a more yes. subtle, right. nuanced portrayal. which shows how versatile some of these people are. Uh, like he's kind of horny at the beginning, kind of mm-hmm. he's a little more like devilish, like kind of quietly devilish, getting away with certain things and a little more mm-hmm. understated than what you're used to. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always like the part in the beginning when he picks up uh, Miss Scarlet and they're getting ready to pull up into the driveway and the car stops and it, you see like the, the crash of lightning and she goes, why is the car stopped? And he goes, it's frightened. <laughs> <laughs> but the music is fantastic in this film too. That really quirky, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's kind of like synthesizer, piano, mesh music, yes. you know what I'm talking about? It's yeah. silent at the right times, yes. and then you know really adds to like when the when the mm-hmm. events become more chaotic and fast paced. Yes. Then the score really complements that. But I like how it just cuts out completely at times, yeah. so that you can really take in what's going on around mm-hmm. you because it's really detail oriented. You have to listen and watch. So I like it when the kind of the score cuts out and just mm-hmm. lets the silence of the work and let, lets the exposition come through. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. and then at the end when it gets real fast, when Tim Curry's rehashing. You know, it's like, bum, 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 bum. here's how it could have happened. And then yeah. I, I like the um, the one I'm thinking about is, is in the beginning. And also it plays when they're getting ready to split the house and they're doing their to search. Right. It's like, it's like, it's like this really kind of like quirky, like music. It just yeah. fits, you know, because it's such a, that evening, that whole dinner party is so off the wall. And Seriously, like you, you, they have to all know that they're guilty in some capacity because it's like, why would you agree to split up and search the house for a killer? Why don't you just break a window and run out? Like, I just love how they all show up for it, (laughs) (laughs) not knowing why they're going, but they all end up showing up for it individually. Uh, Well, it's a classic uh, Agatha Christie trope, which is a bunch of wealthy upper crust people mm-hmm. with kind of a quietly sort of background are all gathered together in a house right. and something is going to happen something dreadful is going to happen and it's, the part about them just showing up for like no reason at all and I read like how it's a spoof on House on Haunted Hill at least in that movie everyone, everyone oh, was paid yeah. $10,000 yeah. these yeah. people were like okay well why not I got nothing else <laughs> going on tonight I think they kind of suspect something's related mm-hmm. to why they're getting blackmailed you know well, I think they've all been blackmailed initially, right? Yeah, that was they it. Were, yeah, and that's probably blackmail. why they showed up because he knew it was related to the blackmail. Yeah. They wanted to put an end to it. Yeah. It's funny though. Uh, Wadsworth's being blackmailed too because his wife had socialist friends. Yes. And when they say that, they all gasp. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know, it's 
We've all made mistakes. Yeah, like we've he's all, like we've yeah. all made mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Most of these people too are being blackmailed for just doing progressive things. Like mm-hmm. one guy's, you know, like Michael McKeon's homosexual privately. Um, but really, he wasn't. No, he well, was that's, at the end. if you yeah. watch one ending, yeah. depending yeah. on which ending, yeah, which yeah, ending you true. get. It's very true. Um, you know, Wadsworth, like you said, is a socialist. Leslie Ann Warren runs a brothel, like a high-end brothel, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she's a madam. Um, and Christopher Lloyd, are you just an adulterer, really? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and a pedophile too. I think, yeah, to some degree, maybe. Oh, the singing they, telegram. Yeah, yeah they alluded to the fact his. that his patients were kind of yeah. young. You know, yeah. so there's some pedophiliac. And then Mrs. White was a murderer. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. He, I hated her so much. Flames. <laughs> Flames. That, yeah. Even that's like my favorite part. Of she, she improvised that part. Uh, did she? Uh, that makes it's sense. So yeah. It does make. That's probably sense. why they're all looking at her, like, and then they just go back to like doing their. That's that's a very uh, ma- uh, Malincon kind of thing. Yeah, you know? it's just like the kisses from a young Frankenstein. No, 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 don't touch. Mm-hmm. She's definitely the most. You can tell she's like the most in character. Like she's the most fully. Not the other guys aren't, but they. There's a little casualness to the other actors. Like, Malton Ball kind of plays an extension of himself. Mm-hmm. That's his... I think Leslie Warren might, too, to yeah. agree. She just seems really natural, like... Yeah. yeah. That's one thing for me when I watched it, though, is I felt like Madeline Kahn was underutilized on the whole in the movie. I, I would agree. Yeah. Because yeah. as talented as she is, and as great as she is, they didn't really give her a lot to do. Um, I think everybody else, like, I think the three that really stood, obviously Tim Curry, this is almost his movie. Oh, yeah. It's a Tim Curry movie. It's a Tim Curry movie, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he has probably the best performance in the movie. He's given the most to do. I mean, the tour de force is the end where, the comedic tour de force for him is the end where he's running around the house. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he gets to play off of everybody. And he's a great comedic actor. You forget, well, he is kind of a comedic actor, period, because even Rocky Horror is a comedy. Yeah, Rocky Horror was a Comedy. He played a lot of villains in comedies. Yeah, he's just got that that face, upper crust, and the arch, arched eyebrows. Yeah, Michael McKean. There's Almost a lot like of a devilish <laughs> right. Uh, it is. This is like a who's who of comedic villains, like <laughs> Michael McKean. Everybody has a smarmy face. Martin Mull, Michael McKean, Christopher Lloyd. I mean, all these guys could play villains. Next I'm day. not shouting. All right, I am. All right, I am. I'm shouting. I'm, I'm shouting. shouting. I think my, I, I read an interview with Michael McKean, and he said that in the '90s he would read. He gets scripts and he forward to the back of the script to find out what what type of goo he would be covered in. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. The bad guy in the Brady Bunch. Yeah, yeah, he was. And he would always get like yes. stuff spilled on him. Like that was like. Yeah, he always in the '90s, especially Michael McKean was like the bad guy in every like second-rate comedy that would come out during that time. Yeah. You know, he was added like on on SNL as a cast member during the '90s, like and he was 46 years old, mm-hmm. and he's already an established guy at that point. But they added him in the mid '90s for like a season or two because uh, I think he's so versatile. I think they probably needed a, a veteran after uh, Phil Hartman left to kind of fill in a lot of those Phil Hartman okay. type roles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, all these guys are, are great at playing villains. I mean, Tim Curry's a guy who could play the Joker, actually, at that point. Oh, yeah. yeah, he could have he could have been yeah. easily cast as the Joker. You know, it's interesting, because that, that Carrie Fisher was initially supposed to play Mrs. Scarlet, because in a lot of ways, Mrs. Scarlet, Wadsworth, and I would probably say Colonel Mustard are like the three leads. Mm-hmm. You fo- it focuses most around them, and those are the characters that tend to have the most dialogue, and that mm-hmm. kind of have the most interaction. Yeah. When you stop and think about it, and it would make sense if Carrie Fisher 
was to play Scarlet, especially at that time, since she was such a big star. I, I think they would have made her a bit more like uh, cynical too than than oh, Leslie and Warren, yeah. like because that's what Scary Fisher excelled at was yeah. that cynical kind of. Well, been there, she, done that. She did have. Uh, she did have a lot of. Uh, you know, I loved her, Mrs. Scarlet's sense of humor. She was always yeah. kind of cracking jokes, which is very Carrie Fisher. I think I think the lines probably would have been similar or the same. It's just Carrie would have delivered them in a more cynical way. Yeah. But Leslie Ann Warren was a little bit more optimistic, you know, like mm-hmm. dinner wasn't that bad. You know, <laughs> Carrie Fisher would have been a little bit darker, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, that's interesting to, yeah. to find that out. That is. That's mm-hmm. very interesting. That would have, that would have, mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen that actually because yeah. Carrie Fisher, I don't think was utilized on movies enough in that comedic mm-hmm. style, yeah. like a pure comedy. I think she needed mm-hmm. to be in a lot more than she was. I laugh. I laugh that he hands out weapons and one's a candlestick. <laughs> like, That's Scarlet. I know. It's so funny to me. I know why. I mean, obviously, it's one of the weapons in the book. Yeah. But this thing is. He's going to start. What weapons? A gun, uh, a knife, uh, a, a wrench. wrench. So sure. it was like utilitarian. <laughs> I love the. The, the kind of like uh, Italian stereotype of Mr. Body too coming in. Yeah. Like I'm not as familiar with the actor who played Mr. Body. It's not. It's a punk rocker it, named Lee Ving. That's oh, yeah, that Ving. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was actually um, uh, Oriental more than Italian, wasn't he? I think he was. Well, though the character kind of had a, like, hey, what are you uh, guys yeah, are doing? Yeah. Very slick and uh, yeah. Yeah. charming. He's from Philadelphia. He's well, a Lee. Yeah. Lee yeah. And he's a seminal frontman of L.A. hardcore punk band called Fear. That I have heard Fear. John Belushi was a big fan of Fear. He used to wear that yeah. t- that that T-shirt on Saturday Night Live when he hosted. And he, they, he recorded a song with them too, uh, like like late seventies, uh, shortly before he died. Wow. Fear is also a fantastic movie in nineteen ninety four, starring Mark Wahlberg. And oh, Lee that is. Yeah. <laughs> I could see John Belushi playing Mr. Body. Like that's oh, like, yeah, like easily. That. In a serious would have been a great, that would be great. This is a John Landis production, so they could have easily John gotten... Belushi's, yeah. Yes. John Belushi has Mr. Body. I don't buy it. Because Mr. Body, Tim Curry was the quintessential perfect Mr. Body. I envision him as someone who's proper. He's got like that quality. No, Tim Curry's uh, Wadsworth. The butler's Wadsworth. Oh, well, he really, he's Mr. Body. In the end, he is Mr. Well, Body. Well, I mean that... <laughs> that's who I thought you meant. Never mind. No, Never I meant that. I meant the... The Mr. Body. <laughs> the Mr. Body who dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Tim Curry's actually Mr. Body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I, now I want to see John Belushi's Wadsworth. That would have been an interesting Wait, casting. Yes. <laughs> that would have been really against type there. He's only a Mr. Body in one of the Indians, though, right? I think he really is Mr. Body, and that's why when when the fake Mr. Body comes in and says, it's all a hoax, I suggest we leave, yeah. like, he knows that... Yeah, I think Tim Curry really is the one who was blackmailing no. all of them. Whether or name his real, na- whether or not his real name is Body. The other person that was up for Tim Curry's role was uh, Rowan Atkinson, who could mm-hmm. do it too. But Tim mm-hmm. Curry does it great. I mean, there's no. Oh, I mean, yeah, that that makes sense too. Yeah. Like, or you know, almost like like I could easily see. Like maybe John Cleese would have had a different. John take. Cleese was actually John, up for it. Yeah, 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 I bet John Cleese would have been up for yeah. it. You know, John Gielgud, if he was still alive, yeah. you know, would have been a little too on the nose because he did Arthur. But um, yeah, if you couldn't get a British guy, Tim Curry's the, the best American. British. Is Tim Curry British? He's British. Yeah. I don't know why. Never mind. I don't know what vibe. <laughs> that guy's an all-American right there. I don't. I don't think he's ever played an American in a movie, has he? No. I mean, I guess Pennywise had an American accent. That's about yeah, the only character I, I could think was... of. I guess he has kind of well, like... he was like an entity. <laughs> he has an accent all his own, even though it's British. It's, it's mid-Atlantic, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it is kind of mid-Atlantic, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I just... I, I love the banter in this movie. The silly banter and... 
It's just so great. The yeah. double entendres and yeah. nods yeah. to the Marx, Marx Brothers films. Mm-hmm. That's what I like best about the dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's a romp. And, and one thing we wanted to address earlier, too, is when we were talking about the Mr. Body Confusion, we have to remember the movie was released in theaters with three mm-hmm. different endings. So yeah. you did not mm-hmm. know what ending you were going to get mm-hmm. during cool. its, its very first theatrical run. Most people, I think, nowadays have seen it on, on either TV or on video where they play all three endings mm-hmm. with the cue cards at the end, right. yeah, which also is kind of a, yeah. it's a different viewing experience, but it's almost equally as fun because they're making yes. fun of this could have happened, this could have yes. happened, just yeah. like the game, you know? Uh-huh. So either way you watch it, it's a different experience, but it's not like one's preferable mm-hmm. to the other. Like I saw it actually on the big screen this week in preparation for the film. The Gateway Film Center here was playing it as part of their Cult 101 yeah. series. And because this movie's become a huge cult favorite. Mm-hmm. And it played it as the theatrical run where you would get a different ending each time. I got the Mrs. Peacock ending. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I would not know, based on that viewing, that Mr. <laughs> Body was Tim Curry. Yeah. Uh, I think the best ending from what, uh, of all three I saw, because I watched it subsequently to, to prepare, is the Mr. Body ending. Where they all do it. Where yeah, they all do all it. That's the it. best ending yeah. of the yeah. three. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I think the other one is Lizanne Warren's character, yep, right? Yeah, Miss Scarlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's when uh, Michael McKean's like, I'm going to go home and have sex that's with my, my wife. wife. <laughs> Correction. He says, I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Yeah. Because this is 1954, and he wouldn't say have sex with. Um, it's not proper. Sleep with my wife. Good, good yeah. Point. And then there's, uh, from what I heard, an uh, unshot fourth ending. Really? Where, I guess, uh, Tim Curry uh, poisons everybody. Uh, 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 poisons everybody yes. and makes off in one of the cop cars after he gets out of Howard Hessman's grasp and then takes off and then there's the police dogs in the back which bring the whole poop joke from the beginning full circle yes, ah. but then fantastic. he gets devoured by them and that's <laughs> so that would have been too graphic so I guess they, I could yeah, see they yeah. skipped on that I one. read about that and his explanation was that he was he wasn't the perfect husband or a perfect butler so he was going to be the perfect murderer <laughs> so but, but John Landis or someone saw the ending he's like this is terrible we can't use this I, I kind of like, uh, I, I think, A, the conceit of having three, di- three different endings was perfect mm-hmm. for this movie. Mm-hmm. It, it, gimmicky, yeah, but it fits because it's based on a board and game. Clue, and yeah. you have to kind of, they're adhering to the but it's not a gimmick conditions of the game. It's been it's done. A, it's a like, studio that, it hasn't been done since. No. Or even up to that point. And I, for a gimmick, it's, it's if, if you're not like, for a gimmick that's fun like that, mm-hmm. I I, I mean, really if they were trying to make this into a serious Oscar nomination movie, then maybe no. Yeah. Yeah. But for right. the campy, fun comedy that it is, it works. Exactly, it does. I mean, because if you're going to have three different endings, I mean, well, if you have one ending, then it kind of has to legitimize everything that happens yeah. before it. With mm-hmm. the three different endings, you could have had five or eight different endings. Oh, yeah. Just let the audience pick whoever they want. Yeah. yeah. Because the, it, things get so convoluted, it's like it really could be, up until the very end, it's like mm-hmm. you have no idea, and there's so much yes. like preceding events that sort of contradict each other and yes. kind of really lead you on a yeah. yeah. One pl- I like the, the the banter about the gun, how many bullets are left. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what the Lizzie and Warren one, one, right? Yeah. yeah. And then she smiles. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they actually, uh, I thought Warren and, and Curry had great chemistry in that scene, too, when they're going through Good all this. chemistry with, like, everybody. Yeah. I, think, I really yeah. like Miss Scarlet. That's yes. why I think I liked her a lot as a kid, because mm-hmm. she was, like, the leading lady. Mm-hmm. She definitely... And she was like this take charge kind of, um, I'm independent, I can do what I want, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm going to take charge. And she was, I like that about her. So I think she's a good character. She is. Um, I, I think the three that are given the most to do in the movie are Tim Curry, Eileen Brennan, and Leslie Ann Warren. I think those, mm-hmm. well, Michael McKeon to a degree, especially towards his True. ending. 
and I think the others are all good, but they all kind of service their basic role in the piece. Like, it's really supposed to be an ensemble where nobody really overshadows anyone else. Uh, I was disappointed, like I said earlier, about Madeline Kahn. I thought Christopher Lloyd was utilized well. Like, he was given a character to play with some decent lines. Um, Paul was used a lot. Yeah, he, he was. was. Really, he kind of was... Like Scarlet in the way he was like the take charge kind of guy. Yeah, know. yeah. I guess he didn't play enough of his comedic personality as much. He was mostly playing the role of Colonel yeah. Mustard. Uh, they didn't give him as many quirks as well, some of the I others. Well, I like the part where he comes out when he's like, "I've been shot. Why are you shooting at us?" And he starts yelling at them, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. the chandelier. He's like, "I can't take any more scares." Chandelier breaks. Yeah, that was that was great. Uh, the movie was actually directed by uh, Jonathan Lynn. He's kind of a journeyman filmmaker, a British journeyman, and he uh, also directed My Cousin Vinny. That's probably his other. Yes, big, that's the other one. Um, and that's best known for uh, getting Marissa Tomei that Oscar. That Oscar, yes. <laughs> uh, I would kill her next. I'd kill you. That's what it says. Yeah, it seems like, this feels like a John Landis kind of thing. Too. Yeah. I mean, I know you wrote the screenplay and produced it, but, you know, it just does have that feel to it, like. Yeah, it, it's more of the John Landis of, like, the Blues Brothers than maybe Animal yeah. House. Like, Animal mm-hmm. House, like we were talking about earlier, is, is an example of kind of the, like, this really sharp SCTV or Second City type lampoon type humor mm-hmm. it's very satirical very sharp hard-hitting you know irreverent and this is is more in line with like the blues brothers which kind of had those elements but it was also kind of quirky and offbeat and mm-hmm. kind of had its flow so i really feel like and the reason i think that landis himself did not direct this is landis was in embroiled in a lot of controversy at this point in his career because he worked on the twilight zone movie mm-hmm. Uh, and Vic Morrow, the actor, was killed in a helicopter accident during the filming of that, and there became this huge trial about whether it was manslaughter or whether they did not. It was ill prepared, and he went through a whole trial in that. So he was kind of pushed a little bit backwards from Hollywood at that point because of all that controversy, and that might be why he didn't specifically. I don't know for sure, but I have a feeling that's probably why he hired another guy to direct it and work behind the scenes on the story because. Mm-hmm. Maybe having Landis out there promoting this movie. You know, the <laughs> thing about too it. soon. Yeah, it, too soon. It really was, um, really was well written. I mean, the punchlines are so great, and the dialogue is so quick that, like I said, it may not be like laugh out physical comedy, but if you're really invested in watching this, you catch so much, and just it's so funny. It really is. I mean, and I remember that was one of the things I enjoyed a lot about it when I was a kid. There was something. Um, really unique about it and, and even though I may not have gotten all the jokes or certainly not the references of the time like I didn't know what a socialist was when I was eight years old watching this but just the reactions to things and the fact that I knew that that obviously was something silly like that it really wasn't probably that bad mm-hmm. you know like those um I don't know I just think it's 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 a a really fun movie it's and I'm glad it's kind of becoming a cult classic because I think it deserves to be you know I think if you watch it with serious eyes like you're expecting it to be this Oscar, you know, movie. You might be a little bit disappointed, but if you go into it thinking, okay, this is a movie starring comedians, yeah, about a really comical, unrealistic situation, then you'll have a good time. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it's, uh, it's played as a broad comedy because the, the acting is broad, appropriately so for the material. And I think the reason it works mm-hmm. is because. They stick to that tone. I'm I'm big on tonal consistency, especially with comedies. Sure. Like I think it's a tight movie that way. Like I don't feel like there's a 
it, there's a lull in the middle from the pacing. Exactly. You know, I think the direction is really on target. I think Lynn did a great job directing this. And it feels like, mm-hmm. like Scott said, a Landis movie. Because mm-hmm. Landis is a very tight, mm-hmm. very precise director. Like, there's not... On his best work, is there's really not an ounce of fat that moves I, I think that well. ties into the fact that he wrote the script really well. Yeah. The dialogue. Everything just flows together. It just it, moves so quick. You know, it's... And it's like an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. perfect... Yeah, length, you know, and it's actually even shorter uh, yeah, in the theatrical okay. release because yeah. you only have the one ending. Right. So I remember like, wow, that was short. <laughs> I saw it one at the, the theaters. You know, like one of the lines I, I always like is when Mrs. White was like, um, "My husband had threatened in public to ki- he had threatened to kill me in public." And then Mrs. Scarlet goes, why would he want to kill you in public? And then Wadsworth is like, I think she meant he had threatened in public to kill her. (laughs) 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 And there's great moments like that between Martin Mole and uh, um, Tim Curry that I just Mm -hmm. thought were the best. um, Yes, you don't need any help from me, sir. He's like, are you trying to make me look stupid in front of the other people? You hardly need any help with that. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So do you know the order of all the murders? I know Mr. Bodies first. No. The cook. Yeah, the cook is first. That's right, because Mr. Body doesn't actually die. That's right. So the cook... Where? In the kitchen. With what? With the dagger. Yep. And it was Miss Peacock who killed her. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Mm -hmm. depending on which ending, but... Then the second one was Mr. Body. Where? In the hallway, actually, with the candlestick. Yep. And they found him in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The third one was the motorist. Okay. With the lead pot, no, with the wrench okay. by Colonel Mustard in the lounge. Yes. The fourth one was the cop. No. The fourth one was a vet. Yeah. With the rope. Yeah. In the billiard room. Yeah. By Mrs. White. Then the fifth one was the mo- the cop. Yeah. In the crap, what room is he in? The study. Was he in the study? No. no. Library. Yeah. I knew there's books. He was in the library. That was with the um, lead pipe. Yes. By Mrs. No, by. Um, well, it depends on the ending, right? On yeah, that's it. right. I was gonna say Miss Scarlet, but it depends on the ending. So the I last think one, it, there's six murders. The cop was by. Um, was it Miss Scarlet? Because mm-hmm. the singing telegram was yeah, next, and that was Plum, and he killed her with a gun in the front door. Yeah. So, so the mo- the cop always kind of confused me, but I think it might have been Miss Scarlet. Well, it just it just I was just reading what what the murders were mm-hmm. and then say who did them. I think Miss Scarlet did because then that would account for every person. Right. Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting is in in the development stage of the movie, Landis actually invited like Stephen Sondheim to, and Anthony Perkins from Psycho wow. to work on the screenplay and the playwright Tom Stoppard. Those three. Sondheim makes sense because of Sweeney Todd, and I'm sure Anthony Perkins, because of Psycho, although Anthony Perkins is an actor, what was he going to do with the screenplay? I mean, he acted in Psycho. It's not like yeah. he was actually sitting there yeah. with the ideas. Like, I wonder what he was... I've lived through this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I, I have the more macabre version of this. I know, you know? how like, creepy mansions, murder creepy mansions work. So. <laughs> Anybody who's ever been near a creepy mansion movie, we're going to bring on to write the screenplay. <laughs> Uh, it's its own, it's its own <laughs> genre, creepy mansions. You know, bring on Hanna Barbera for Scooby Doo. They know a lot about creepy mansions too. Oh my gosh! Get those guys involved. They would have gotten away with it. Yeah. For you and those pesky kids. Yeah, but, kids. Yeah. This is, you know, I think that Lynn would have done a decent job directing a Scooby Doo live action film after this. You know, like I would have liked to have seen those guys maybe tackle that. It's the same kind of general. 
mm-hmm. idea of a mystery. And so he's like some guy dressed as a monster. Yeah. <laughs> Although not quite as developed as a mystery. You don't really care on Scooby-Doo who, who did it. <laughs> you know, for a fun night out at the movies, it would have worked for any casual moviegoer who enjoys, you know, the murder mystery. You know, yeah. Those tropes in there. Who was your favorite overall in the movie of all the characters, all the all the actors? Who did you think had the best performance, or who was your favorite character? You know, I want to say Tim Curry, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, because he just really made the most of every scene that he was in. Mm-hmm. So I, fi- I figured that's the, obviously what a lot of people would go with. So I want to kind of, you know, kind of push him to the side momentarily and just, mm-hmm. you know, kind of give more credit to the other performances. And I think, uh, you know, uh, Martin Mull, I just really kind of was drawn to his character because... He seemed like so innocent throughout. Like I, I was watching him. Like he's hiding something, you know. And, it just, yeah. and aside from his uh, secrets of selling Air Force equipment on the uh, radio equipment on the black market, it's just like mm-hmm. it's just something about you know that, that character that kind of drew me to him. It's like he, he's he's hiding something in his panicky nature, and then the, you know the quick dialogue exchanges with him and Tim Curry. I, I was drawn to that character. I mean, I'd say Tim Curry. Obviously, he really dominated. I, you know, he's he's become his characters that he's play throughout his movies have become really endearing to me over the years. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of him anymore, so I got mm-hmm. that. But then Martin Moe, I really like that character, too, so I'm going to go with those, two. I'll add another thing. Like, who's your favorite actor in general out of this cast? Who are the people you're oh, drawn that's to? That's hard. That would be tough. Cause that, that's a tough... Yeah, because in one scene, you know, it, it could have been Miss Scarlet, and then, you know, in another... I mean, when Mr. Body first comes in, I was like, oh, now this is getting really cool, because yeah. he seemed really different from the others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because the others are kind of oblivious, sort of, you yeah. know, really wondering what's going on. Mr. Body comes in, he's as cool and calculating as anything. I was like... Okay, here's our here's our killer right here. Right. He, he, it's going to be all about him at the end, and then he he's dead. Yeah, yeah I know. He wears a smarm on his sleeve. It's gone. <laughs> yeah, he's just gone all of a sudden. He's like, well, that's kind of disappointing. Yeah, he wears all the smarm on his sleeve without right. like cleaning it off. How about you, Scott? Who was uh, who was your favorite? I like. Uh, I mean, I think that the ones that uh, he talked about. I, I like Michael McKean just because he plays it kind of straight, but not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of and. No pun intended. I like it when he, yes, <laughs> he does play it straight. Uh, I like when he stands up and gives that speech. Even Tony's pointed out at the end of it when he says, "All right, <laughs> I'm a homosexual." <laughs> yeah, I don't want to wait for Wadsworth to unmask me. Yeah, and he says at the end he says, "Thank you," and he sits down, and then Wadsworth looks. He's looking like at his papers one, like I like didn't that, know he was. Yeah, dead. yeah. That was like, uh-uh, which is a great bit. You know, that wasn't. He outed himself on something he didn't need to do. And then Plum gets up really quickly after Green sits down. (laughs) Yeah, Plum, Professor Plum, clearly not a uh, progressive. He's not progressive Plum, he's progressive Plum. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt, no doubt. Oh my gosh. How about you, Tony? That's so funny. I love them all. It's kind of like saying, you know, who's your favorite animal that you've ever had? But, I mean, when I was a child, I always loved Miss Scarlet, and I still do. I think I'm, she's a character I relate to the most in terms of my personality type. Um, but I always loved Tim Curry, you know, and the character of Wadsworth. He's really the glue that holds the foundation together of this movie. Um, and he's great in anything that he does. I do love Mr. Green. I think my, my two favorite um, of the six, the three men and the three women would probably be Scarlet and Green. Mm-hmm. But they're also great. I mean, I do think Madeline Kahn and Christopher Lloyd are underutilized because they're mm-hmm. fantastic actors, but they're not, their performances aren't my favorite in this film. But but they are great in what they do do. You know, the, the lines that they give us, like, 
Mrs. White with the I hated her. And um, they're just great, but uh, I think my favorites are definitely Miss Scarlet. And of course, I love Wadsworth, and uh, Mr. Green always just makes me laugh. And you know, that whole bit when the cop's there and he's showing the cop mm -hmm. around, and he's like amazed at what he's seeing, and he's like, I don't want you to go in there. Oh, too shocking. It's just so kind. This is the dining room. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Mm. It's just really funny. Um, but I do really like uh, Colonel Mustard a lot. Like, the more I watch it, I really like his dynamic with Miss Scarlet. I think they're really fun to watch together. Yeah, I think um, for me, uh, like everyone said, Tim Curry, to the degree that this is anyone's film, it's his. Um, he it's kind of a tour de force especially towards the second half of the movie where he's going from door to door to explain the mm -hmm. whole mystery from his point of view that's where he really shines um, I'd say outside of that like I think you know I think Leslie Ann Warren and Eileen Brennan are utilized really well exactly. Eileen Brennan's probably given the most to do it's like her character is really kind of spot spotlighted from mm -hmm. to a degree and a lot, of, and that's probably why they ended up choosing them as to the, yeah. the potential endings. Because I they, had to stop her from screaming. Yeah, <laughs> but my, my my favorite actors would probably be you know Christopher Lloyd is one of my favorite actors. I love Howard Hessman, even though it's a very small, almost a cameo appearance. Mm -hmm. It's still fun to talk about him because yeah. he's he's yeah. one of my favorites. And Michael McKeon, you know mm -hmm. those those are three actors that I I love in virtually everything they do. You know Madeline Kahn. I, like I feel like you, I think to the degree that anybody was underutilized was really mm -hmm. her because she's so talented, and they didn't really give her a lot to do. It's almost like she was restricted, and it's mm -hmm. like this woman did Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. You got to yeah. give her some some bone because she'll bat it out of the park, oh, you know. Because yeah. uh, I think a lot of people like Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, a whole generation of women, I think looked up to Madeline Kahn. Mm -hmm. She was like a breakout character like Gilda Radner. I think mm -hmm. Madeline and Gilda were kind of from the same era and kind Two of pioneer things. Who Succumb to ovarian cancer. That's true. Yeah, yeah. which is sad. Mm -hmm. um, how do you guys feel the movie holds up at this point? I think I kind of know the answers, but we'll just go around. Uh, I have it on DVD. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, this was my first time viewing it all the way through. A couple years ago, Scott, Tony, and I yeah. started watching it. We kind of... Oh, yeah, I remember that. Were we going to play the game, too? And then I, we just ended up talking. Yeah. And then Sabrina bit me, and oh. <laughs> it was Sabrina in the, oh in the it was Sabrina in the living room. <laughs> so were you guys all trapped in the house after we that? With like who did who bit who bit Lance? My cat really is a sweet cat. Sometimes you know I think she just I think sometimes people scare her mm -hmm. when they're petting her, and she just instinctively reacts. <laughs> She's a cat. She has a I'm cat. Sorry. She's had one of those moments. But yeah, I, I mean, I just, I loved it. You know, I kind of wish I would have uh, checked it out a long time ago, you know, with the ensemble cast and, you know, the rapid fire dialogue and the pacing and the yes. plot twist and then twisting back. And yeah. I mean, it was really fast. So for someone like me, I mean, the pacing is a bit above what I'm used to. But I mean, it was just, I, I think it was just a fun movie to watch. I mean, that's why they made it a dark comedy because, you mm -hmm. know, the murder mystery, it's been done before. And, you know, a great homage to the uh, dime store. Um, detective murder mystery novels that you know were kind of waning in popularity at that point That's um, true. Mm -hmm. it, it was it was a fun movie you know just uh, something that i guess kids have mo I, I think it's more you know engineered towards uh, more mature audiences but i think yeah. even it, it's safe enough for young kids especially today you know back oh, then yeah. maybe not but today i think it's uh, safer just about you know any audience but i mean i really loved it um the three uh, three endings in there Choose your own ending. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of, as far as endings go, I'm going to lean with, uh, I'm going towards A, Miss Scarlet. I mean, okay. that's the one that I just felt um, really helped bring things full, cir full circle the most. 
mm-hmm. and then Michael McKeon, uh, you know, the way he uh, turned out to be someone completely different, like an informant, t- an informant type at the end, because mm-hmm. he's at the beginning, he's uh, very uh, accident prone, and then all of a sudden he's a slick agent. Yes. So I like what they did there. Um, uh, well, I'm kind of rambling at this point, but uh, you know, I liked it. I had a fun time watching it. I. When uh, Tim Curry goes into his uh, stellar run through at the end, I kind of went on autopilot at that point. But at that point, it was just you know I see what they're doing here, and yeah. it was it was great. It was fun. It was you know I can't say a bad thing about anything Jonathan Landis has had his hands on, and that one's no exception. So you know, and Scott, yeah, I think it holds up. It's uh, it, uh, I think the cult classic is where it's perfectly fits because I think it's. It's I so have unique. a lot of cult class. I'm like yeah. the cult classic queen over here. <laughs> and uh, it's I, it doesn't surprise me this was in the 80s because this is definitely a creation of, of that time period with uh, just fun, fun, unique gimmicks they would come up with for movies, you know, because that was at the time where 3D was being played around and it went away, but it was a novelty at the time. But this is, a, I think, of all the gimmicks that, that, that movies have, this one is the most interesting because it involves a story. You know, it doesn't involve any kind of special effect or, you know... It was kind of a throwback even in the 80s to, like, the 50s where they would, you know, put mm-hmm. things in your seat. They would, you know, try to draw you in. Yeah. Some but the movie itself is fun. I mean, I love how they cast the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they cast it with people that understood comedy and understood... Well, majority of so had really extensive comedy backgrounds and, and uh, but they knew how to play it you know they were good actors as well so um, yeah I definitely think it hold up it's, it's funny to say someone holds up I think sometimes you could see a movies of its time but still that's what makes it part of its charm and, and why it's good you know so yeah definitely it's it's a fun movie yeah um you know, like I said earlier, this was like my go-to sleepover movie, and, and now it's kind of like my go-to sick day, or I just want to have something on kind of movie, because it's like an old friend, and I love watching it. It obviously definitely holds up for me. Um, I just love going into that world. You know, I'm really big when I watch movies into feeling like I can escape into the world that's in my television screen, and even as a kid, I always felt that way about this movie. The cinematography is so rich. The dialogue's great. The characters are, are wonderful. I feel like I'm a part of that dinner, that mm. dinner party with them, and I absolutely love going into that place. It's it's fun, um, and uh, I always felt like, and I'm sure someone's probably adapted this, but I always thought that this movie would make a great play, make a fantastic stage play, because you have your main, you know, your your six or seven main characters. Um, you could you could easily switch the rooms to make them look a little bit different on stage, or even have like a revolving stage like they do in the, the big Broadway productions. But I always thought that this would make a wonderful play because um, the characters are so fantastic. And something like Clue, the story, the board game, it's really universal and it's kind of timeless. And um, I just could ramble on and on and on mm-hmm. about how much mm-hmm. I love this movie, but I do. There's just something about it that I just absolutely love. And so I think it definitely holds up. I hope that places like Gateway around the, the country continue to show it and introduce it to younger audiences because it really is a fun movie. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, my, my relationship with this movie, like I mentioned earlier, like I was kind of underwhelmed when I first started seeing it because it just wasn't a comedy whose rhythms and its style immediately grabbed me. 
even though as I got older, I was like, wait a minute, that's Michael McKeon, that's Christopher Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Now that I've watched it, I appreciate it so much more. I appreciate the craftsmanship that went into it. I appreciate that they committed to this kind of unique blend of comedy, which mm-hmm. is the murder mystery, but it's kind of a broad kind of throwback spoof. And like Scott mentioned, this is this is a who's who, the great mm-hmm. character actors of the day. Like all these guys were in so many movies, people loved them, even if their their names weren't immediately recognizable to the general public. They mm-hmm. weren't marquee names you would see mm-hmm. in the like on top of a film, but they are among the best comedic actors of their day. And like Scott says, they were comedic actors in the sense that they understood the roles of comedy and where they fit into the broader the overall whole of it you know they weren't trying to upstage each other too much they were yeah. playing it exactly mm-hmm. the way you need yeah. to play it and so I appreciate all that stuff and I actually like the ending I, 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 this movie I like it a lot more now than I did then I really do appreciate this now I think it's 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 a really good movie I completely get the cult following mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of movies out there like this you know yeah. that have alter, alternate endings that to the degree that you could base a movie on a board game, this is a great template for how to do it successfully. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's yeah. like, stick to the rules of what it is, try to justify it, try to give it some uh, humanity and realism, just like yeah. any movie. And essentially what they did is, we're just going to do a broad Agatha Christie spoof and justify the code names as as flamboyant as the names are by saying that's your code name, that's yeah. not your actual name. I mean, they, yeah. they do a great job of justifying all the pieces from the game. And that's the fun of it for fans of the game, as you can yeah. come in and see, oh, that's what they're going to do with the weapons. That's what they're going to do with the names. And, yeah. you know. and that's what Wadsworth even says. Wadsworth yeah. even tells you the, the point of the game. is like, we just need to find out who killed them, where, and what what. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just nailed it. Um, so, it, to me, it, I think it's a movie that improves over repeated viewings. I think if you didn't warm up to it initially and give it another chance, give it a few more chances, it's really going to grow on you and mm-hmm. you're going to appreciate it more and more. I think it's grown into a, a deserved cult classic at this point. Yeah. Well, the way I always cap off uh, these things is to uh, say the best way to see this a movie outside of a theater, which I got the pleasure of seeing last week, was seeing it in, a, in an actual theater uh, is to watch it on Blu-ray, and Clue has been released on Blu-ray before. Oh, it's they're going, they're bringing a new release in a few months in August, in which they're going to have all three cuts available that you can watch nice. on the Blu-ray. Okay. So I think Tony, especially, you would look very look, much look yeah. forward to having that okay. because that that would be fun. They probably have the cut with um, maybe all three, which I would I would hate to see that being missing, but I hope they retain that too. Mm-hmm. But the fact- I like that one too. Well, I think that is intended to be the original ending. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the actual ending, the one with all of them. If, if you didn't have the other endings, I think that one is the intended true ending. I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. It yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Just to kind of give everybody uh, kind of their due at the end, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to making it about one person. Yeah. yeah. That's that's probably the most fun for me. That that that's my favorite ending is the one with the Tim Curry mm-hmm. reveal. Yeah. Um, also, by the way, I hope that the the Blu-ray retains the original poster of the movie that came out in the '80s. It's a great poster, mm-hmm. by the way. If you've ever seen it, it's a terrific one. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't let some recent uh, design grad do a new one. No, they, they no, don't no. Usually no. turn out that great. I, they, they, the original one is mm-hmm. so simple and it's yeah. it's yeah. perfect. You know, don't and clutter it. End, yeah. I love the end credits. How it's showing them on the cards. Like the yeah. cards of the game, yeah. it says Clue on the background, and then it flips over, and it'll have you know like Christopher Lloyd, Mr. Plum, you know. I always thought that was cool. And they're Wait, playing they're... Shake, Rattle, and Roll, yes. right? Like, uh-huh. but it's a cover. It's not the Bill Haley original. It's clearly yeah. a cover yeah. of that. Uh-huh. Um, 
So yeah, that's Clue. Uh, like we all love it. Go out, check it out. You know, even though we revealed the ending for <laughs> all three, <laughs> but still check it out. And nonetheless, just for the yeah, tone, you got to pick your own ending, though. Let that's me right. know what you think. And if anybody out there has the older versions of the Clue game, that that Clue Master Detective, or that VCR version, I'd love to. Uh, and to hit up some thrift stores. You yeah, know, exactly. Find, I'd, so. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it because those games were so much fun. I think I might write Hasbro. See if they can't re-release that VCR version on DVD. You should start a petition, maybe, and get them moving. And they say it was on shop, but that fourth ending, I was was watching this, and after it was like, I wonder what how that fourth ending would have looked. You know, maybe something's on the cutting room floor somewhere. Yeah, we don't know for certain. You know, oh, I'm sure it is. We need to contact Paramount about that ending too. So you contact Hasbro, we'll contact Paramount. We'll get all this stuff. Somebody has to know something about Chris Farley as the original Shrek. That's in the vault somewhere, right here at DreamWorks. Oh, I bet. That's the one I really want to see. That would be interesting. It's always interesting when you find out. I like to see Carrie Fisher and the Scarlet on top yeah. of it. So we're going yeah. that route. So it could be some screen tests out there. So yeah, there could be. Yeah, there <laughs> are. Um, well, we want to thank Lance for coming on today. It was great to finally have you on. I appreciate um, it, guys. Enjoyed yeah. this. Uh, do you have any upcoming projects of any kind you'd like to, to talk about? Anything coming as, up? As for myself, not at the time being. I mean, I can, uh, you know, being a Mad Lab Ensemble member, uh, I should promote the uh, upcoming Young Writer season. Uh, they're okay. building, they started building for that today. That runs uh, July 14th through the 29th. Okay. Uh, some great plays from what I heard. I read the scripts for them. I didn't have time to audition for anything because of my work schedule. But um, yeah. Well, I auditioned, but because of my work schedule, I couldn't get anything. So, But, uh, you know, comedy sports, we're still waiting to hear on that. Uh, the theater itself is still in the build-out phase right now. Mm-hmm. And Tara and Rance are in Thailand doing uh, Hear the Musical. So things are, I mean, they're doing the best they can right now just trying to get everything scheduled. So I'll probably hear on that soon. And that um, would be Tara DeFrancisco and Rance. Uh, right, Tara, yeah, Tara, sorry about that. Yeah, Tara DeFrancisco, Rance Rizzuto, uh, owners of the Nest Theater, on now on West Broad. I was just going to say, mm-hmm. where's it at now? Yeah. I think it's 8, 894, something like okay. 814 West mm-hmm. Broad. Uh, but yeah, they just recently moved in there, and the place is already looking great. You know, as busy as they are, you know, we had our first, I had my first comedy sports show there about a month, month and a half ago, and I mean, the stage is functioning. Everything's functioning right now. They're going to get, like, um, projector screens up there, and I think they're going to add uh, some speaker units and improve the sound. Uh, so right now, yeah, it's still in build-out phase. Things are moving along, but, yeah. you know, we'll find out something soon. So I'm looking forward to getting my next show in there, but uh, nothing in the books yet, so <laughs> wait and see. That's right, but if anybody gets a chance to watch Lance act and anything, go out, check it out. He's a very good actor. Nice and, shots, you know, guys. Yeah, he's <laughs> a good comic <laughs> actor. We've Appreciate worked with him ourselves, so we know uh-huh. all too well. And uh, Tony and Scott, uh, anything on the horizon for you guys that you want to talk about? Um, Just looking forward to a personal upcoming trip to Hollywood. So if any listeners have any good suggestions, tourist suggestions, first time visits to Hollywood, uh, please leave us comments on our Facebook or Twitter to let us know what we should do. Yeah. I think I have a pocket lunch show, Cafe Kerouac, the second Friday of July. So that's coming that's, up. Yeah, that's coming up a couple weeks. So that check that out if you can. It's free. It's usually there. We have other guests, and we're sharing those up. And then we usually have a charity that we donate money to. So mm-hmm. that'll be good. And, um, uh, yeah, continue to, to listen to Cinema Tell you, Like uh, Tony said, this summer we are going to uh, be taking a trip to Hollywood. We hopefully will do a little recap like we did earlier with Disney World. Yeah. Uh, on our trip through the studios and everything, because this is a mm-hmm. film podcast that would be appropriate. Yes. Um, and also, please visit us on our Facebook pages, Twitter pages, and our main page on Podbean, 
mm-hmm. uh, Give us r- rate and review if you can. Yeah. It just helps us with viewership. And also interact with us. You know, mm-hmm. feel free to, to email us or just talk about movies. We always love to talk about movies whenever we can. Mm-hmm. And we want to thank everybody for their continued support. And uh, we, we love this podcast. And we're, we always look forward to the next episode. So mm-hmm. thank you all. Thank you, Lance, again for joining us. And uh, you guys appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Bye. There are no more bullets left in that gun. Oh, come on. You don't think I'm going to fall for that old trick. It's not a trick. There was one shot at Mr. Body in the study, two for the chandelier, two at the lounge door, and one for the singing telegram. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one.